0: well good morning life church and again we're going to try that again good morning life church it really is a, a great day to be in the house of the Lord, and uh, thank you. And I appreciate what uh, Pastor John said a moment ago. We are the church, right? We don't come to church; we are the church, and uh, we are the body of Christ represented in this uh, in this world. And uh, allow me to also say thank you to everybody that helped out uh, yesterday at um, at the One Hundred and Eighty Girls Ministry. What a fantastic ministry, and what a great expression of the love of Christ that we were able to show uh, from Life Church. And just so grateful for all of you who are able to do that. And uh, thank you for your generosity. In your time, and uh, some of you your talent; <laughs> others a little less so. That would be me, because uh, not a whole lot of talent. Some of the things I was trying to do, uh, but it was really a great time uh, to be there uh, with one another. And I know it was a blessing uh, to the ministry. Uh, c- a couple of announcements I just wanted to uh, make you aware of. Uh, this coming Wednesday night is going to be a, a worship time together. Uh, here is the body of Christ, and everybody is welcome. And as I mentioned last week, we are going to spend some time uh, praying specifically for our nation. And I've got a few comments I want to make here in just a moment about uh, the political uh, environment in which we are living. Uh, but we'll be praying for our nation, for the election, all the other things that are coming up, uh, certainly praying uh, for, uh, uh, for President Trump uh, currently, who is uh, experiencing uh, the symptoms and COVID-19 and all of that. So we'll be praying for him as well as uh, other uh, national leaders and asking God's blessing uh, to be upon, upon them. Uh, but uh, so much more than that right now within our nation we need to see God's peace. Uh, we need to see uh, his power reigning supreme within our nation and within our world. So we'll be taking time Wednesday night uh, to be uh, praying, praying uh, for our nation. So make sure you are here for that. And um, also want to let you know about our youth. Uh, that's on Wednesday nights. All of our youth are welcome on Wednesday nights to be a part of everything that's going on at our student center. So make sure if you've got a teenager or know of a teenager that needs something to do on Wednesday nights so they stay out of trouble they need to come here on Wednesday nights. So uh, that's the best place to be. Well, real quick, um, we do know that there is an election uh, that is uh, right around the corner. I think we're about 30, 30 days or so uh, out from that. Uh, yeah, th- right at 30 days uh, today out from the election. Uh, how many of you have felt tension in our nation? Anybody feel tension? How many of you have, how many of you have felt tension within your household <laughs> right? We feel that, right? It's just this, uh, yeah, some of you had both hands raised, uh, raised there for that. Uh, and that tension is not necessarily uh, blue versus red, Republican, Democrat, whatever. It's just tension that has grown within our nation that the coronavirus, I believe, has just made more evident, more prevalent, more whatever you want to say about it. It just feels like more. Um, and so a couple of things, I uh, did a little bit of reading on how to, how to handle this subject because uh, I've, I, I want to walk a fine line in all of this because if uh, you are like me, you probably have strong political leanings and strong political opinions uh, as we look at what's coming at, towards our nation. And uh, we, we create scenarios for both sides, don't we? If this happens, it'll be the worst thing that has ever happened since the creation of the world. And then we have this other side. It'll be the best thing that's ever happened since the creation of the world. Okay, we, we have this within our minds and within this congregation. Uh, we, we, we have all of those narratives that we're trying to play out. But as followers of Christ, we must look at all of this very differently. So I'm, I'm uh, yeah, I get sweaty. It's like I'm sweating right now, just so you all know. Because talking about this uh, is a little bit nerve-wracking because, I've just, honestly, just how important it is for us as a congregation to walk through this. So number one, uh, both political parties go to church. Both political parties can be Christians, all right? So I, I, I just want to put that out there uh, as our starting point. And for some of you, you might disagree with even the statements that I just made right then. But God is all about redeeming mankind. God is all about working within us through the power of his spirit, bringing us to perfection, which none of us have reached. And so political parties all attend church. We know that to be true. Uh, Another one, and uh, I will step on some toes with this right now, uh, I'm a fan of talk radio. I'm a fan of of, uh, watching. I don't watch as much news as I used to, but I'm, I'm a fan of it. But remember, one thing you've got to remember, that talk radio, political news, news in general, all comes from media companies. Media companies like your money. And so they figure out what gets them the most money possible, and then they put that content out there for us as people in a consumer, uh, uh, consumer world to be able to advertise to us through advertisers that make money for that company. So just keep that in mind when you are listening to whatever it is that you choose to listen to, that it's about the dollars. It's not necessarily about righteousness, peace, love, hope, joy. All the things that we know are centered around Jesus Christ. So that's not what it's about. It's all follow the money, right? We know that. Now, we say that about one, particular, uh, one political side, but it can be said of all political sides, it really is truly ultimately about power. It's about rule, and it's about money, okay? So I, I want to throw that out there, and I just made more people mad, and that's good. All right, uh, number three. Thinking your party's platform is unflawed is a mistake. There's only one party platform that is unflawed, and that's Jesus. (laughs) Okay? Um, So we just have to be really careful that we do not ascribe to a political party salvation. That we do not ascribe to a particular political leaning uh, that this is the one that is most godly versus the other one that is completely of Satan, <laughs> okay? Because both sides will feel that at one way or another. And so we have to be super careful to recognize that our party, uh, our party platform is flawed. <laughs> and if we think it is unflawed, uh, it is a mistake. Uh, number four, uh, scriptures tell us to pray for our governing leaders. Second Timothy chapter 2, Romans 13, uh, and that we are to respect those in authority. So we pray for our leaders, regardless of their political leanings. We respect those who are in authority, regardless of their political leanings. Uh, I'll just leave it at that. I have other comments, but I'll just leave it at that. We need to pray. And at number five, uh, lest we wonder about uh, politics within the church and things like that, uh, I'm not sure if you knew this or not, but when Jesus chose his 12... Politics were at play, because especially among two of them, you had one who was a tax collector, who was a Jewish tax collector, representing and in line with the Roman rule. They had chosen to be aligned with Roman rule. That's where their finances were coming from. They were making decisions that the rest of the people in in the, the Jewish world disagreed with, and yet Matthew or Levi, the tax collector, was chosen by Jesus to follow him. Right next to him was a guy by the name of Simon the Zealot. On the opposite political extreme that you could get from it, uh, the Simon the Zealot would have been one who probably would have, given the opportunity, tried to take the life of Matthew or Levi, the tax collector. They were on completely opposite ends of the spectrum politically. And yet, here they were, unified in Jesus Christ because of what Jesus had called them to, the love that Jesus had shown to both of them, And together, those 12 disciples radically changed our world. And so, folks, it's not about our political stance. We have to keep in mind that Jesus should be center of everything that we do. Now, next week, I'm going to tell you who to... No, I'm not going to tell you who to vote for. Uh, But next week, we are going to talk a little bit more, okay, uh, about this and try to navigate this as a church. And uh, today, when we get to the end of the message... Um, There's one point that Paul is making that's going to help us wrestle with all of this that we find in Galatians... And uh, so next week, I believe it's next week, that you should all be receiving in the mail the mail-in ballots that Utah has been doing for years. Thank God that Utah has been doing it for a long time, and so the system has kind of worked out and have all the checks and balances in place for that. Um, but uh, you'll be receiving that next week, and you will have the responsibility, as a uh, for those of you who are citizens of the United States, to, to vote for whom you believe uh, in essence, right, because we, we believe that we pray for, ask God to guide us and direct us in the ballot box or at home when we are writing it down and talking to our kids about it, uh, hopefully you do that as parents, um, that, that we believe that we are following what God wants us to do and recognize that there will be people who vote for the party uh, uh, that's opposed to your party equally sensing within themselves that God is leading them to make that vote. And yet, they still believe that Jesus Christ died for their sins to set them free, to bring them to the fullness of Jesus Christ. That is what we focus on. That is what we as a church will welcome within the body of Christ and say, God, all people are welcome who are seeking you, wanting to be transformed by Jesus Christ. That's what Life Church is about. And so we'll have an opportunity uh, to talk a little bit more about that uh, next week. And I need some more deodorant for next week. Okay. Galatians chapter five, verse one says this, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. So we're beginning to wrap up. We got this week and next week, and then we get to a new series uh, beginning on October 18th that I'm super excited about. Uh, but we're beginning to wrap up the series, and, and Paul continues a similar track here as he's starting to try to lay out how, um, how believers should live their lives. So last week uh, we talked about that scenario uh, when a uh, brother or sister falls and how we should restore them. Uh, We've been talking about some of the other aspects of how our faith should be lived out among those we come in contact with. How are we to put in action what Paul is asking them or asking the church? And uh, in this, in that scenario of helping believers, so Paul helps the believers. And he could probably go on and on and on, different scenarios that he would lay out, but he's choosing, recognizing that the end of the papyrus that he's writing on is probably getting a little bit short, and so he's got to kind of wrap this thing up. Uh, And as Paul is known to do so often, he's got some pretty strong words, and so the next statement that he begins in uh, uh, Galatians, if you want to turn there, Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 uh, through like 12 or so, uh, pretty strong words, but before we get there... um, Back when I was a younger teenager, probably 12 years of age or so, I know I've shared with you a little bit about this. Uh, my dad and I, we built a Heathkit Zenith computer. Got a picture of what it would have looked like. That's about what it looked like. Um, when I found that picture online, and I was, as I was thinking about this, I'm like, yes, that is in a big monochrome, well, it's a very small monochrome thing. And notice that two, it, and ours did the same thing, two five and a quarter inch or five and a half inch or five and a quarter inch floppy drives. Each one of them holding 360K of space. Now, if you know what that is, that is a tiny, tiny, tiny amount of data. I mean, that is like, there's nothing. Uh, the, uh, our computer had 128K of RAM and we spent days and days and days and weeks and months soldering the motherboard. So we literally soldered this thing together. My dad did, obviously, most of the work, and I just uh, tried to pretend like I was helping out. And one day, we finished it, turned the thing on, worked beautifully. My dad trouble would do the troubleshooting. It was all, it was all wonderful. Uh, well, he was subscribing at the time, and this is going to date me a little bit, he was subscribing at the time to a magazine called Byte, B-Y-T-E, the Byte. Anybody remember Byte Magazine, all right? Anybody? Oh, yes, all the nerds among us, Yes. And uh, within, uh, within that magazine, they had different programs that you could program, in. it was basic, uh, basic language, and program into the computer the input that you would put in there, and you were supposed to get the output of something incredible, and so one day I'm thumbing through the Byte magazine, as any good nerdy child would do, and I realize they had a flight simulator in basic language that I could put into my computer, and I could fly a plane. This is incredible. Now, quick word. It did the, the program when it was done was not going to look anything like this. No. This is what it's going to look like. That. Okay, there it is. That is the flight simulator in basic. So I literally spent weeks programming in uh, this, you know, page after page after page after page. There was no, like, copy and paste. It was manually entering this thing in. Weeks, of entering this thing in and troubleshooting in and all of that. And I could not wait to start and run that thing. And I pressed, you know, run and nothing. (laughs) Not a blasted thing. My input was problematic. So I'd go back through, reread everything, every line of code and fix it and fix it and fix it. And all that I could ever get it to do, I could push the button and I could see the fact that the, uh, uh, the, uh, the revs on the engine were going up, and it would start going down uh, this little runway, as beautiful as that graphic is. I was thrilled, but that's all I could get it to do, which is <laughs> roll down the runway. And I have got to tell you, as a young man, I realized computer programming is not for me, because <laughs> I was so frustrated, because I could not find the problem. Somewhere, the input <laughs> that I had given to that computer, something was wrong with it. Something was disconnected in the language that I was using in the basic and something there so that the output, there was nothing that could be done and that output was always going to be problematic. So somewhere on a five and a quarter inch floppy disk is that program, probably in some box somewhere at my, uh, at my stepmom's house and I could pull it out and I could play, well, I would never do that. <laughs> terrible, terrible game. So I wanted it so badly just to fix it myself, but I realized... Or I even believe that one day it should just work. Have you ever done that before where you think it should just work? Uh, you turn it on as if it's going to be different, but nothing's been done. And you think this thing should just work now. But it sat there mocking me <laughs> every time I tried to turn it on. And then I got involved in the Mandelbrot sets, if you know what that is. And I had very fun with that. Okay. So Paul gives a warning here uh, with, uh, with the language that he uses. Remember, Paul is very strong in his languages language. He says, Galatians chapter 6. Verse 7, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that, he also, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Another version uh, says this on Galatians 7, uh, 6, verse 7. Don't delude yourselves. No one makes a fool of God. How do we know no one makes a fool of God? Because you will reap what you sow. If we think that that's not going to be true for us, we're in essence mocking God and trying to make a fool of him. Uh, this is not new to me, but there are uh, um, or not, not original to me But a few things to keep in mind when it comes to sowing and reaping. I'm going to go through these pretty quickly so we can get to the end here. This principle of sowing and reaping applies to everyone. Christian, non-Christian, Democrat, Republican, Independent, does not matter. (laughs) Sowing and reaping applies to everyone. This is a universal kind of truth. So this is why Paul says that God cannot be mocked. This principle stands true across all peoples and cultures and ideologies and societies. You can't get away from it. Some don't believe this to be true and live a certain way in denial. And sometimes it seems like people are getting away with sowing the incorrect thing into their lives. And uh, how many of you ever felt that you're like, they're not getting what they deserve? Anybody ever feel that way? (laughs) Right? I always point back to myself because I didn't get what I deserved. Right? I, I didn't exactly always sow the greatest things. And uh, what happens often is we sow the seed and then we pray for crop failure. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> we say, God, please stop it before I get any uh, before I get results from the, what, I, what I'm sowing right now. And in, our, in the world around us, we, we see this at play so often and we get frustrated because we feel like some sow wickedness and yet there's no retribution, no, no judgment for them right now. As we wonder about whether or not it's true what God says. Number two, we reap, we reap what we sow. Uh, we are today what we have been in the past. If we've made poor health choices in the past, unless we interrupt it, <laughs> we are experiencing poor health now. <laughs> that's, I mean, that, that's just the, we sow and we reap. Uh, if we've sown discord, discord is reaped. What is sown in a nation is reaped within a nation, as a family, in my marriage, in my individual life, we reap what we sow. Um, If violence is sown, what should be expected? If power plays are sown, and that can happen at work, can happen within your home, can happen you as a parent to your child, whatever. If power plays are sown, what's going to be reaped in the long run? What about righteousness? What about hope and peace? We reap what we sow. Why do we expect it to not be this way? I think sometimes we reap something, and then just on a on a wing in a prayer, we, we do have this moment where, boy, with what Paul just said, we're mocking God when we think somehow that what we reap will not be so or what we sow will not be reaped in our lives. We have to be very, very careful what we sow. Parents, just real quickly, let us sow within our children the fruit of the Spirit. By the way, that's the long road, and we're going to talk about that in just a moment. That's the long road, it's the much harder road is to sow that within your children, and yet, what kind of harvest is reaped at the end in their lives? It's not a guarantee right? Because our children will at one day have their own moment of decision. It's not a guarantee. But that fruit will never go away. Um, number three, we reap more than we sow. Uh, this year in our garden, we planted three tomato plants and got them very early on. And I felt like uh, that they were never going to produce anything. If You ever planted a garden before and you get frustrated the first like 60 days, you're like, I hate this. I'm glad I'm not a farmer, right? Okay. Um, planted three tomato plants in our garden, but over time they have uh, become quite fruitful. And now we've had dozens and dozens of wonderful fresh tomatoes uh, from our garden. And it's awesome to think that that one seed that was planted, ours we already had the plant, but it came from one seed, uh, produced all of this fruit. And so that this, uh, this reality is that we reap more than we sow. It's always going to be the case. Um, we had this incredible harvest of zucchini. It took over our little four by eight, our plot of land that we had set aside for it. The zucchini plant took over and went to battle with every other plant in our garden. I hate that zucchini <laughs> because, well, in another part, we had an explosion of basil ever tried to grow basil before? It just took over this whole section of our yard. It's fantastic, but I do not cook that much Italian food. It just doesn't work. Uh, squash, yeah, got eaten out by the uh, zucchini peppers. Yeah, Zucchini took them over. And uh, one watermelon that was delicious. So, uh, <laughs> So there's this tough lesson to learn, but the truth remains the crop that we harvest is more than what we sowed. It's more than what we sowed. Now, we don't want it that way when we're sowing bad things. And we think to ourselves that this one bad thing is going to uh, not be so bad. And yet the problem is, is that we always reap more than we sow. We're really happy for that on the good side, aren't we? (laughs) When we sow good things, we're like, oh yes, and have that multiplied. And we're excited about that. But for some reason we think it's different when the bad is. So the truth shouldn't be lost on us. Um, And then the fourth one, uh, we reap later than when we sow. We reap later than we sow. And this is the frustrating part of sowing and reaping. And this is that, that, that waiting time um, when we know good fruit is coming if we've sowed good things, and it seems like it's taking forever. And unfortunately, the bad seed that's sown is more like weeds, <laughs> because a lot of times those bad things show up right away show up in broken relationships, show up in broken trust. What is it? They they say it takes a a lifetime to build trust but a moment to destroy it. When that that bad seed is sown in that moment, there are times when that weed grows immediately uh, within our lives. Uh, A few weeks ago, I had told you guys about a plant that was frustrating me. And I said, I'm going to have to dig this stupid thing up. Well, guess what? (laughs) <laughs> there it is right there. Now, this does not look that impressive to you, but this represents so much frustration in my life because I would chop that stupid thing down and then it would continue growing and growing and growing until pretty soon I got angry enough at this root <laughs> that I had to go in there and, and get rid of this thing. And now the great thing is this thing is no longer sown in my yard. And I'm really hopeful. That's the main taproot right there. I'm really hopeful that I got far enough down that that thing is dead forever. (laughs) But I'm scared that next year this thing's gonna pop back up. But but I got in there. I dug this thing out, and a little blood, sweat, and tears. Literally, a little bit of blood was drawn in in this process, because I wanted to make sure that there was no more fruit, right? Nothing. There's no more reaping coming from this frustration in my life. And uh, this is the this is what we have got to be able to do. That's perfect. Just leave it right there. More frustration. Um, but I had to take the time to dig down and to, to, to take out any opportunity for a new harvest when it came to this frustration. For those of you just beginning to follow Christ, can I give you a word of encouragement? And you might be here this morning. You might be uh, joining us online as well. The small decisions that you are making now when it comes to following after Christ, the small decisions you're making now, the the, the change of friends, right? Sometimes that's a big part of these initial stages uh, when following after Christ. You realize that the friend, what they're sowing into your life, it has reaped an incredibly bad harvest. And so you you need to get away from some of your friends that are that that way. Or um, maybe it's uh, choosing some actions that are brand new to you in this faith and it feels very uncomfortable. Let me tell you that what you are beginning to sow in your life right now is going to bear incredible fruit down the road. But just like these apples that we have on our apple tree out there, they have taken the longest to come to fruition. I've seen them growing forever on that tree, and I'm like, aren't you going to be done? And we get very frustrated, especially as a first-time follower of Christ, because like when is all of this going to change for me? When is everything going to change and it all gets easy? Well, it never gets easy. But what happens is you begin to have that fruit born in your life, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It takes some time for it to grow in your life. So please be patient because you will harvest or you'll reap later than what you sow. So I play here at Polar Opposites. um, If we sow to the flesh, we're going to reap the flesh, which is corruption which is a life that is destroyed, which is a life that has been cut short on its influence and impact. It's it's the image of God that's been further marred in somebody's life. Versus if we sow to the Spirit, it says, by the Spirit that we will reap. And what does it say specifically that we will reap in what we just read? It says we will reap eternal life. So that to me says that there's this incredible bearing of fruit that's not going to happen in this life. And we have to be okay with that. Because, folks, ultimately, our lives do not end on this planet. Right? Our physical life might be done, but there is a resurrection for we who are followers of Christ, where that harvest of righteousness, that harvest of the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, will be for us seen ultimately. After this life is done, and we have to be okay with this. Because I know that there are some of you who have planted seeds for years in the life of your children, and you haven't seen it come to harvest. That harvest might wait till after you're gone from this planet. I hope not. I, I genuinely hope not. I hope that you see with your own eyes the salvation of your children and your grandchildren. But folks, our ultimate hope is not in this life. This life matters. <laughs> this life is incredibly important when it comes to our salvation and following God. But ultimately, that, that harvest that we will experience is not in this life. There is a life to live after this one. I'm going to invite our worship team to, uh, to come on up here as we close out. Uh, Galatians. So, so Paul goes on. So he, he kind of set the stage here for, um, uh, for this uh, sowing and reaping. And then I think what he does is he jumps to this next idea of what sowing and reaping is in a practical way. Remember, he just did this, you know, the fruit of the Spirit, and then here's what it looks like to restore somebody in gentleness, having the fruit of the Spirit acting in your life. So a scenario by which the fruit of the Spirit can act, because Paul is incredibly practical. And I think, excuse me, that this next phrase that he gives is exactly the same idea. He's like, okay, here's this big picture, So what does this big picture look like in the day-to-day life that we live? How does this look, the, the sowing and reaping, how does this look in our life? Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. And let us not grow weary of doing good. Let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are in the household of faith. So there are two issues that we as followers of Christ have to watch out for when it comes to the life that we live. Number one is we've got to watch out that we don't grow weary and that we don't give up. Anybody been weary in the last uh, six months? (laughs) Any of you wanted to give up in the last six months? Absolutely, I'm right there with you. There, I mean, even the past couple of weeks, I'm like going, Oh God, I am so tired. This is just ridiculous. But Paul encourages us, based on this whole principle of uh, sowing and reaping, don't give up. Don't give up. The, the kids that you lead in the classroom, don't give up. The, the, your children at home, your grandparents at times when you pour into their life, your co-workers, don't give up. Uh, the image that's here uh, that Paul is using is the image of a, of a farmer, of tightening a belt and loosing the belt. The loosing the belt is the give up. The, the, the tightening of the belt is when, well... It, if you're a plumber, this is a good idea. Uh, tighten that belt. Why do you tighten the belt? <laughs> okay. So the farmer is, is tightening the belt, getting ready for hard work. And then the idea here that, that Paul kind of this illusion is that at the end of the day, when, the t- when it's all done and you're tired and you're finished, what do you do? You kind of loosen that belt up. And Paul's like, as followers of Christ, we cannot loosen that belt, we've got to persevere. We've got to be those who are strong. And now, granted, there are times when we feel weak, and that's when we turn to Christ. But here's what Paul is saying. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. And this is a theme of Paul's through a lot of his writings. Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that, uh, that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Don't give up. <laughs> Doing good. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 keep alert. Stand firm in your faith. Be courageous. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. Be firm, (laughs) right? Keep alert. Stand firm. In Philippians 2, 15 to 16. And uh, this is, he's he's continuing on a a thought here, but he says, uh, all of that so that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world holding fast to the word of life. This is who we are supposed to be, folks that we hold fast to the promises of God that's been sown into our lives through the word of God because it will bear a harvest in our lives if we don't give up, if we don't loosen that belt and say, all right, I'm done, I'm finished. It is worth sowing now Jesus Christ in our lives. It is worth it now. Because we know that one day there will be a harvest for our lives and that harvest of righteousness for our lives. Um, one of the great things that Paul says, let me go back and reread uh, the end of the verse 10. So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially those who are of the household of faith. Uh, yesterday was one of those moments, especially of those who are in the household of faith. We were doing good at the, uh, at the 180 Girls Ministry. It was an incredible moment where we're expressing this good. Uh, but he says, do good to all. Circling back to some of the things I said at the very beginning. Do good to all. Whether you agree with them politically or not, do good to all. This is an ethic that God is asking us through his written revealed word to us that this is how we, to are, how we are to live our lives out is by doing good to all. Big question whether if you agree with me or not. <laughs> uh, what good has God done in your life? Romans 5, 8, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God God showed power through humility. God showed power through weakness. God showed power and incredible influence through the giving of himself doing good for us. How about we do the same thing for the world around us? How about we be marked by the good that we do to the world around us, regardless of a political stance, regardless of a a religious ideology, regardless, we represent Jesus Christ in such a way as to bring the message of hope and salvation to a world that is dark and dying. And so Paul encourages us to look for every opportunity that this is an active thing that we are supposed to do. It doesn't just happen to us, not a carpe diem kind of thing, not, not like a seize the day, seize the day. It is this, this kind of bent that we have that we are looking for where God is at work and saying, God, we're going to join you and partner with you in this work that you are calling us to do, to do good to the world around us, especially to the household of faith. So it could, should come very naturally to love one another and do good, do good for and to one another, hopefully, <laughs> right, right here in the church. But to the world around us, sometimes we find it very difficult to do that. But we must because we represent him. I uh, read this earlier from a guy by the name of uh, Robert Rappa. He says this, rather, uh, he exhorts believers here to maintain a holy awareness or sensitivity to opportunities that God places before us to live out the fruit of the Spirit. This is active on our part, looking for opportunities to do what God's called us to do. I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet. Um, Matthew 5:45, Jesus says this, um, and I'm paraphrasing it. He says, "Rain falls on the righteous, rain falls on the wicked. God is doing good." to all and we need to live with that recognition that let us be a people that represent god well by doing good to all especially to those of the household of faith every head, bowed, every head bowed every eye closed for just a moment um there are those of you who are here this morning in person and those who are online that are have joined us uh, for this message um, and the sowing in your life has uh, been the sowing that actually has represented yourself and that, that, that selfishness, that turning away from God, and that sowing is there and there is something growing in you uh, that you know is not right. You know that if, if, uh, if this crop doesn't fail, uh, that uh, what you will reap is what Paul said as, uh, is as corruption or destruction. And you would say, Pastor, I need to repent of these things that I have sown in my life and turn from my wicked ways. I've got to turn away uh, from that sin in my life, the things that I have sown. If that is you and you are here in person or you are online, uh, if you're in person here today, you can just lift your hand up and say, yeah, Pastor, that's me. I know that I have sown some things in my life. I've sown some things to my neighbors. I've sown some things politically. Whatever it is, I know that I've got to change that seed that I am sowing in my life. Thank you number of hands up. And I'm sure online as well right now, uh, this moment for God to work in your life. Father God, you see every hand that is raised. God, some of the seeds that have been sown have already begun to come to fruition. And Lord, there's fear associated with uh, what's going to happen next. But God, I pray right now in Jesus' name that God, you would begin to change the reality of these folks in their admission of guilt and uh, really, Lord, shame in that, that admission of sin in their life that God, you would uproot the things that are in their life right now that are beginning to bear fruit, that are the fruit of corruption. And God, allow them through a transformed life of Jesus Christ to change that that which is being sown in their life to be a harvest eventually of righteousness and peace and joy and love in the spirit of God. Father, we thank you that you forgive us. We thank you, God, that you are able to change our lives and change our positions in this life. And uh, the second thing is, uh, how many of you would say, and actually uh, every head up, every eye open, <laughs> how many of you would say you need to be more aware of opportunities that God is sending your way, uh, regardless, because God's called us to do good to all, right? I think every, nearly every hand's up, all right? Uh, Father, this really is our heart's desire. God, is that we would follow through what Paul is encouraging us to do uh, through the words that he spoke to the church in Galatia. God, that we would do good to all because, God, you have planted within us uh, this incredible harvest of righteousness. God, that you have sown within us your word. God, you've sown within us this new life that Jesus is bringing to bear through the power of the Holy Spirit. And you're asking us to live this life plainly and out loud to the world around us. And so God, help us to find these moments, God, that we would actively search to find places where you are at work. And God, we would partner with you whether that's through our neighbors, whether that's through our own homes, whether that's at the workplace or at the school or wherever it is, God, that we would find ways and discover new innovative ways to do good to the world around us, especially to the household of faith. Lord, we love you. We praise you. And God, as a church, we commit ourselves to you. God, that we would represent you well in this world around us and that, uh, God, you would continue to help us honor you and to give you praise, Lord. We ask all this in Jesus' wonderful, loving, powerful, and holy name. Amen. 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 Our God's a good God. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Uh, We'll wrap up our series on Galatians uh, this, uh, this next week. And then one final word of encouragement to you. Uh, One of the things that we'll be launching on uh, October 18th will be uh, our life groups. We've got many of them that are already in operation. But if you are interested in finding your way into a life group and you would like more information about it, we have a table that's set up out in the lobby. And uh, it's a QR code. If you don't know how to use that, uh, somebody who is smarter than you then at that moment will be able to tell you how to use your phone uh, to be able to do the QR code on there. That'll send you to uh, a place on our website and we'll, we'll uh, work with you to find a place that you can go. The second thing is there are some of you who are an untapped resource when it comes to life groups. And you would say, you know, pastor, I'm ready to stretch my wings a little bit. And uh, you would like to find out more information. It doesn't mean you will be uh, able to at this point, but we're going to put you on a path where uh, you're going to be able to do that to potentially even lead a life group. And if you feel like you would like at least to, uh, I would love to talk with you about that. There's also another place, the QR code, that says I'm interested in becoming a leader of a life group. I'm gonna invite you to uh, also go onto that, fill out the information, and then we'll be in contact with you uh, this week. So God bless you guys. Thank you so much uh, for being here and we will see you next week.